This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy post-Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving with your families. And if you traveled, you made it home safe. And if you hosted, you're still smiling and God saw you through it. So congratulations. Either way, we're all back here together. It's week four of our series called Bless. Somebody say bless. bless. Say it like you're blessed. Say bless. bless. We're talking about what it actually means to be blessed. By definition, that word is inherently generational. It's, it's not like you've got a big treasure chest and blessing is God just gives you a bunch of stuff and you get to go tell everybody you're blessed and highly favored. Blessing is transferable. It's passed through. It's generational. We were talking about in this series how to get blessing and then we talked about it, about how to get it back if you lost it. Week number one, we talked about the only way to be blessed. The only way to be blessed, and it's very clear in scripture, let's look at this bedrock scripture we've been basing our series off of, Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The only way to be blessed is to hear the word of God and then do what he says. There's not any extra prayers you can pray. There's, you could, you could fast for 40 days and 40 nights and only drink water. And if you're still not obeying God, it wouldn't matter. You'd just be really hungry. Hearing the word of God and obeying it is the only way to be blessed. And the second thing was, uh, the second week was talking about the only way to financial blessing. And it was talking about how to be a home and a family and a person that blesses others when you are blessed. We talked about, it's like the Texas two-step. It's two-legged. It's giving and stewardship. It's both. We have to manage well as unto God what he has given us. And then we also are generous in effect. And week three, Pastor Kelly talked about a blessed marriage. And there was content in there that you could take and use even that day, like right there in the moment. You could take that content and use it. And today we're talking about the way to have a blessed home and primarily in regards to parenting. And what does God have to say about that? And what are some of the biblical truths that we can receive today that would help us have peace in our homes? And as parents, we want our children to be healthy. We want them to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We want them to be loved, and we want them to one day, come on parents, say amen, be self-sufficient adults who leave our home and never come back, hopefully. But more importantly, we want them to follow Christ. Now, if you're in the room and you're not a parent, this content still very much applies, as you're going to see here in a minute. I'm not giving you guys, you guys know us, come on. I'm not giving you three steps to have fun kids. We're not, we're not doing anything like that. We're getting into the foundation of a home. So it matters to you too. But before we jump in, I wrote this statement down, and it, it's not in the Bible, but I feel like it's true. No one struggles with the lie of condemnation like parents do. 
the lie of condemnation that we, we often carry the weight of all of the would'ves, could'ves, and should'ves. We carry the weight of all the mistakes we've made. And I know this is probably true of you too in seasons of your life, maybe even now, but I know for Landon, nobody speaks as bad about me as I do. Most people are pretty nice to me. I'm usually my worst enemy. And maybe you could say that too. But it's important to remember the undeniable truth that you are anointed by God to influence your children. We have to remember this also, that they have a will and they will impose it at a restaurant at the worst time. They have a free will, and at one point in time in their life, they are going to have to submit their will to God and completely surrender to Jesus Christ. It's a personal decision they'll have to make, but who's going to lead them to that? Who's going to show them that? Now, some people have asked me, Landon, is there a formula that I can use? That's a question I ask God. Just give me a plan. Just show me a plan. Is there a step-by-step formula on how to have a kid that loves Jesus with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is there a formula for that kid? Well, consider this. Would you agree with this statement that God is the perfect parent? He's done nothing. He's a perfect parent. And his first two kids still disobeyed. So have a lot of grace for yourself. Even God couldn't control. You're going to need to have a lot of grace for yourself as we have a lot of grace for yourself. You're going to need to have a lot of grace for yourself as we reveal some of the truths I have to reveal to you. But here's what I know. Every person since the fall of Adam and Eve have been born with a sin nature. And what you and I are anointed to do as parents is to reveal the answer to them. Capital A. Our lives are to be evidence that Jesus is really real. That he's actually there. And that we actually believe it. We're like a, our lives are like a road sign saying, go this way, go this way. And there's a lot of parenting books out there, right? There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of parenting modalities and strategies. There's thousands of experts, some of who, by the way, don't even have children of their own who've written parenting books, by the way. That's like trusting a skinny cook. Probably shouldn't do that. Thousands of experts who claim the best way to swaddle, the best way to spank or not spank or pretend to spank, the best way to discipline, talk to your kid. We're inundated with opinions, especially on mommy blogs. But in a world of noise, there are a few constants that ring true, and Scripture is great for that. Let's dovetail off that. Our foundational verse from last week, we're going to keep it going Psalm 112, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. I have a question for you, and I don't mean this condescending in any way, but it truly reveals the heart. Do you care? what God has to say? Do we care at all what God has to say? Now let's read it again. Psalm 112. Blessed are those who fear. Everybody say fear. Fear. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, 
who find great delight. They love it. What does God have to say? I'm going to go that way. Great delight in what he has to say. Their kids will be mighty in the land, obedient at restaurants most of the time. Their kids will be blessed. And the generation of the upright will be blessed. The word for fear in Hebrew means to revere, respect, or stand in awe of. And if somebody asks me, Landon, what's one of the best things your parents ever give you? What is the greatest gift you ever received? And we're all thinking back to like the Tonka trucks and, you know, four-wheelers and Troy Aikman jerseys. We're all thinking back to that stuff. But the greatest gift my parents ever gave me was a healthy fear of God. And I always knew it. When I got keys to my car and I was doing dumb stuff, I knew I wouldn't, I knew I shouldn't be doing that stuff. I knew it. I, I knew that there was someone bigger than me. And when people, and I would push the line, I mean, I, I was the kind of kid, I'd get as close to the line as I could, and then mom would say, don't cross that line. i go, boop, I was that kid. See how far I could get to sin without actually sinning, which in and of itself is a sin posture in the heart, so it's still sin. My parents gave me a healthy fear of God, and, and when people tried to take me in the worst directions, or girls I were dating, or whatever, I, 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 I stopped, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go that, no, he, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he can destroy me, I'm not going that way. There was a healthy fear of God that I am God and he is not. It's a fearful reverence to know that you're in the presence of someone stronger than you. And I've seen it as a youth pastor. We were youth pastors for 10 years. As a soccer dad, as a baseball dad, as a pastor now, we parent as if we have no one to fear. We lead our homes as if there's no one to fear, as if there's no one to revere. We lead our homes without consulting biblical value or what the effect of our decisions will have on the peace level of our homes. For example, people say, I'm going back to school. And we applaud it and they put it online and They've already got their undergrad and they've already got the job they want and, 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 and we're already moving in the right direction. I'm going back to school. But they've got three or four or five kids. It sounds positive though. Everyone's like, yeah, go back to school. And that's a great thing in some respect. But did we count the cost? Our children are only little once. Only little one time. My daughter will be in junior high next year. They're only little one time. We got one shot. Being missing at dinner. Being missing in the mornings. We, we get so stressed out and deeply exhausted because of the workload and the stress and the mental exhaustion and we're snippy with the kids and we're not prioritizing God's house or his people or small group and 
then we wake up one day with a very expensive piece of paper and we say, I did it. But then we look at our children and say, I don't know where I went wrong. And you and I have been giving each other bad advice as parents. We've sacrificed our children's development for the sake of bettering our own future. But when we become parents, that's another cross to die on. And all the parents in the room know you don't get what you want ever. When you have a newborn, that tiny thing calls all the shots. They own you. You are dead. Like there's this cross you have to die on when you get saved, and there's a cross you have to die on when you get married, and then there's a cross you have to die on when you become a parent. And animals don't count, by the way. You can give those back and not go to jail. There's a healthy fear of God in parenting, or there needs to be, because it's a holy calling. It's a holy pursuit. We need to take responsibility of it. Look at this, Psalm 123. Children are God's love gift. I was quoting this to myself in the suburban all day yesterday, driving back home from Thanksgiving. (laughs) They're heaven's reward. They're heaven's reward. They're heaven's reward. (laughs) Children are God's love gift. Not an annoyance, not an imposition to your master's program. They are God's love gift to you. They are heaven's generous reward. And when you are on your deathbed and someone asks you, what is the greatest thing you've ever done? I doubt you're going to say, went into debt for a degree. It's a, it, you're going to talk about your kids. You're going to talk about the life you lived with your family. Psalm 112 Blessed are those who fear the Lord and find great delight. Find great delight. Not like, oh, the Bible said I can't. No, find great delight. There's safety in his commands. It doesn't say blessed are those who fear the future and find great delight in their own ideas. This might sound harsh, and by no means I'm not saying that pursuing education for yourself is ungodly. It was just a a good metaphor for us to talk about if we're fearing God or not. And and in no way am I stating that you shouldn't think about your future. But when we are submitted to God, when we are in awe of him, revere him, and have a healthy fear of him, his ways and desires trump ours every time. In other words, I've never seen in the 18 and a half years of ministry, I have never seen someone submit to themselves and enjoy the fruit. Psalm 112.2, the generation of the upright. What does that mean? The word upright right there in Hebrew means pleasing in the eyes of God. Pleasing in the eyes of God. Are our decisions pleasing to God? Are they pleasing to God? Let's ask ourselves this question again. Do I care what God has to say? Or do I just really, really don't want to go to hell? Because that sounds awful. What about my now? Do I really care? Am I really submitted? 
Because that's the way to really ask this question. Am I willing to submit my desires to fulfill the calling of being a parent and secure our generational blessing? When I wrote that statement out, I couldn't help but think of my dad. Because the, the last name Kiker was synonymous for lots of things in Odessa for a very long time. My biological grandfather's still alive. I've never met him. All the people that I call Pa, Papa, Papa, Poopa, Grima, Grandma, Mima, all they're all dead. And I don't have any grandparents left. And he's still alive, but I, I don't know him, but I do know of him. And I do know that our last name in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s and was synonymous with beating women and alcoholism. And I do know that my dad was headed down that path himself. See, what we do affects our children. And my dad was headed that direction until he met a little lady named Laura Jones, who was a nice little Pentecostal woman. And she wouldn't have nothing to do with it. She's like, I'm not going to be seen with an idiot like you. Sorry, Dad. I know you're going to listen to this. I'm sorry. And she said, if you want to be with me, you've got to clean up your act. I'm not going to be around you. My dad took his last drink of alcohol in 1978. Married my mom, had me two years later. And now our last name is synonymous with running the Permian Basin's first men's transitional home, starting the Permian Basin's first women's and, ch women's and children's transitional home, a food pantry and a soup kitchen that feeds 200 people a day, five days a week. Everything can change in one generation. I tell you that story because what if my dad had said, I'm going to get what I want when I want it. And yeah, maybe he just liked my mom more than God at the time. It's okay. But he got saved, started going to church, and they never let me miss. I remember playing drums with strep throat, which is bad. I get it, guys. Y'all calm down, okay? This is pre-COVID. Everybody calm down. But unless we were like really contagious or our legs were broken, we were getting to church. There was a value. Am I willing to submit myself, submit myself and fear him? So with that foundation laid, here's a few points. Our responsibility is to protect and prepare. Parenting is not complicated in this foundation. This is our calling as parents is to protect them and prepare them. And Pastor Kelly mentioned last week that children now are the first generation in American history to be raised entirely in a post-Christian America. What does post-Christian mean? Post-Christian means we have leaders that say they're Christians but still support abortion. We have people who say one thing and do another. The Bible is not the foundation for our, our country or our homes. We're in a post-Christian America. It's this thing that, that people do on Sundays. Y'all remember blue laws? Does anybody remember blue laws? Nobody, stores couldn't be open on Sundays. It was illegal to have a business open on Sunday. We're way past that now. Their lives are completely online. And we got to protect them and prepare them. Now, to fully, please hear this 
this is going to take up the rest of our time, to fully understand what's facing our children and our ability to lead them and parent them as unto God. We are not able today to slide past the biggest elephant in the room and spiritually bypass this topic. Here's the topic. Our homes are to be their safe place, not their phones. Maybe your home is so full of yelling and arguments, their safe space is those reels and TikTok in their bedroom away from you. Is your home safe? Emotionally safe? Physically safe? Because if it is, they'll run there when they're in trouble. Common Sense Media survey and study said that this is, re, this is 2022. 78% of teenagers self-admitted to having an unhealthy addiction to their phone. And these are just the ones that told the truth. But over three quarters of teenagers said, I have a problem, I'm in trouble. But you and I are their best drug dealer. Let me prove it to you. Common Sense Media also said, multiple studies link addictive relationships with mobile devices to mental health problems in teens, including depression, anxiety, and disrupted sleep. Neuroscience tells us that tweens and teens developing brains make them especially vulnerable to both addiction and mental health crises. We know this is true. This is not your old boys smoking some lucky strikes, baby. Eight years old. This picture was taken in May 1910. 1910. It wasn't until the 1940s, shortly after World War II, that science discovered that smoking caused cancer. The iPhone debuted in 2007. We're nearing the same time frame to realize that our inventions are killing our children. So get this scripture I'm about to read in your heart because the next two pages of my notes are going to be hard to hear. But I love you. If I didn't love you, we would just try to grow a giant church and give you softball things to talk about at lunch. But these are the things that matter to your generational impact for your kids. Here's the scripture, Hebrews 12, 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. I, I got spanked all the time. I was that kid. It was every day. It was just an everyday occurrence for me. I did something dumb. I never once got spanked and went, man, I love this. This is great. Never seems pleasant, ever. No discipline. No waking up early to read your Bible seems pleasant at the time. You don't jump out of bed and throw on your slippers and go, gee, golly willikers, I'm so excited. No one does that. It's the morning. It's painful, discipline is. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness, which just means right standing with God. A, a, a harvest of righteousness and peace in your home for those who have allowed yourself to be disciplined and trained by discipline. Having said that, let me give you some things that I've learned. I've been doing research on the effects of smartphone usage uh, in teenagers and families uh, for about the last four years. 
and I'm going to give you some of the data I've found and also tell you about this resource. It's called Wait Until 8th, and this is a website every parent needs to go check out, waituntil8th.org, and there's a lot of resources on here about wait, delaying the use of smartphones for your children. And it's not like an overtly Christian website or anything like that. It's a lot of science-based. And let me tell you about some of the things that I've learned. And a lot of the things I'm about to share with you too are also listed in, in one way, shape, or form on their site. The first thing, smartphones are changing childhood. They're completely changing childhood. The bus system for SCUCISD, the bus runs, uh, we, we live in this neighborhood right here, and the bus actually stops in my driveway. Curb-to-curb service for our district is great for me. They drop my kid off right there at my truck. And so every morning, there's the elementary kids, and then there's the junior high kids, and then there's the high school kids, and they sit on the back of my truck, and then they, there's like 20 of them in my, part, in my driveway. None of them are talking. changing childhood, playing outdoors, spending time with real friends, reading a book, hanging out with family is happening a lot less to make room for hours of Snapchatting, Instagram, catching up on reels. Children spend anywhere between three to seven hours a day in front of a screen. You can read a book in seven hours. Most audible audio books are five to six hours. You can read a book in seven hours. You can also make a lot of money in seven hours. Back when kids had jobs, you can make a lot of money in seven hours. But many childhood essentials are pushed aside for the sake of online amusement and respite for mom and dad. It's changing childhood. I love it when I look out my front door And yeah, they get into trouble. Kids do dumb stuff. Our kids have all been busted on doorbell cameras, ding-dong ditching. My kids have done all of that. But I've looked out the door, and some of y'all live in our neighborhood, and I look out the front door, and there's like 12 kids running around our block. And they're throwing frogs at each other, and one of them was chasing a kid with a snake, and I loved it. It was a garter snake. Calm down. But they're outside getting dirty, getting nasty, having fun, making real friendships not stuck inside. Smartphones are addictive. We know that. We know that. New research shows dependence on your smartphone may produce some of the same addictive brain responses that alcohol, drugs, and gambling do. Smartphones are like slot machines in your kid's pocket. It's just all day long. And the tech industry has specifically designed smartphones, and social media apps for, to be used for prolonged periods of time because this is how they make their money. The next thing, smartphones are an academic distraction. Elementary and middle school years establish the foundation for your child's academic success. Children learn how to productively manage time, how to manage a project, how to do homework. And if we introduce a constant distraction with the smartphone, we're paving a path for academic mediocrity. There was a study done by the National Institute of Health that shows children who spend more than two hours a day looking at a screen scored 50% less than kids who did not. 
Research from the University of Texas, you know it's true then, suggests that the mere presence of a smartphone in the room reduces cognitive capacity and test-taking brain power. Just the fact that your phone is in the room, even if it's turned off, has a connection to our brain that reduces our ability to think critically. One study demonstrated that using smartphones in classrooms lowers students' grades. And the bring your own device idea is actually hurting children. That same study found that children who attend school districts with smartphone bans did better on tests by far. Next thing is excessive smartphone use is altering the physiology of children's brain matter. This is all science. This is not a joke. Children who using smartphones in excessive time were found to have a premature thinning of the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that processes information and uses the five senses. We're literally making our children unable to think. We know this too, that smartphones impair their sleep. Studies show that smartphones and portable devices with screens, iPads, Kindle Fires, they're all the same, affect the quantity and quality of sleep in children and teens. And me and you, by the way, adolescents are likely restless because they anticipate receiving a text or receiving that phone call. Studies show that most children who have a phone wake up at 3 or 4 a.m. to check and see if they got anything. So they never get into a deep sleep. And what this sleep disturbance does to our children is it, include, it, it, it pushes the dominoes the wrong direction. It's poor diet, obesity, a weakened immune system, stunted growth, and a slew of mental health issues. Screen time impacts behavior. Kelly and I have lived this out firsthand. When we're in the middle of soccer or baseball season, we're usually having to wake up on Saturdays at 6 or 6.30 to get the kids to the ball field by 8 or 7.30. But when it's not a sports season and the kids get to sleep in, which sleeping in at our house is about 7.30, when they get to sleep in, if they make it downstairs before us and they turn the TV on, their behavior is not as good as if we make it down there first. It starts the day off the wrong way. It says, teens who spend more time on screens have a higher likelihood of developing disruptive behavior disorders. Social media has a particularly strong influence, but a UC San Francisco study that was actually published in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry found that social media use was most likely to be linked to conduct disorder, while other forms of screen use like YouTube, TV, video games, texting were likely associated with oppositional defiance disorder. A conduct disorder is characterized by violating others' basic rights or societal rules like bullying and vandalism and stealing. ODD is marked by a pattern of anger and irritability, argumentative or defiant behavior, and a vindictive disposition. Our screen time is telling our children that your fake world matters more than the people around you, and that's how they treat people. So I'm not surprised when yesterday, three college football players punched fans Three different games. 
These kids are going to get expelled. They punched fans in the face because this generation of kids playing football now were raised on phones. They were not taught how to respect other people. They definitely weren't taught how to lose well. We have, a, we have work to do, guys. We know that smartphones interfere with relationships. We know that for sure. Kelly and I were at dinner about a couple of weeks ago. We were at a steakhouse and we looked up and there was a husband and wife sitting at the table and he had his phone propped up watching football. And it just breaks my heart. We, we, we go to a restaurant, show a family of five people and they're all watching their phone. Showing everybody things they found on their phone. Instead of talking. Many parents regret allowing their child to have a smartphone because they found out how destructive it is to their own relationship with their child. Children are now inattentive because of the constant distraction that a phone brings. And then we get Apple watches and now we don't even have to pull it out of our pocket. We just do this every 30 seconds. I wonder if eventually they'll just put a chip in our eyeballs so we can just see it and not have to look anywhere. It's getting more and more dangerous. Face-to-face downships dwindle as children shift their time and energy to online friendships. Smartphones also increase the risk of anxiety and depression. And here's what we know. Physiologically, children are not emotionally equipped to navigate the tricky waters of social media. They're not mentally prepared for that. Viewing someone else's highlight reel on social media often leads youth to think that they're missing out or that they're not enough, that something's wrong with them. And research shows that the more time someone uses social media, the likely they are to be depressed. Just like the more tequila you drink, the more drunk you're going to get. It's the same thing. A Harvard Business Review showed that the more you use Facebook, the worse you feel. Thank you, Harvard. Another report demonstrated that an adolescent's psychological well-being decreased the more hours they spent on screens. Constant stimulation of the brain is making the hormone cortisol go through the roof in our bloodstream. You included. And the loss of tranquility in our children will lead and is leading to serious anxiety disorder. Suicide rate. And here's the stat that will make it for girls the ages 10 to 14. And here's the stat that will make your toenails curl. Suicide rates have tripled since the iPhone came out. Just in teenagers. This is not across the board. This is just for kids. Ages 11 to 18, a 300% increase in suicide. Just last year, five kids at Steele High School committed suicide in our backyard. Smartphones put your child at risk for cyberbullying. Bullying is no longer limited to the playground or the locker room. Bullies seek to harm children through social media or text, often making retreat for them impossible because they can't go anywhere. It's right in front of them all the time because the most used medium for bullying is now the phone. Studies show that one out of every four children have experienced being bullied online. One out of every six children have admitted to bullying someone else. 
but only one out of every 10 children will tell somebody about it. Kelly and I have had to face this with our own children, and we've had to have talks with administrators about the things that have happened to our child, and she doesn't even have a phone. The things that other people were doing and saying to her about her. I'm so glad she wasn't able to receive those messages in her room at night alone. And here's the crazy thing is you can't see those bruises until it's gone too far. Your kid comes home with a black eye, you know they got in a fight. But these black eyes don't show up until they're already cutting, running away, getting promiscuous. We can't see these bruises until it's gone too far. We also know that smartphone use exposes children to sexual content way too soon. Every one of us could probably remember the first time we were exposed to it. I was 12. We had a Packard Bell computer with dial-up. Took 30 minutes to load an image to hear. If your parents got on the phone, it ruined it. You whippersnappers don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? You don't even know. I remember the average age of exposure for a child to pornography is now seven years old. My youngest is seven. What are we doing? What the heck are we doing? I check their phone every night. They're smarter than you. Just own it. They're way smarter. They do math like the baseball method. What the heck does that mean? I don't know any of this stuff. Like they, they're so much smarter now. They, they, they hide it all. They know. They know. They're, they know. Guys, smartphones have enabled our children to view pornography anywhere. You don't even have to go buy a magazine and hide it under your mattress. You can even turn porn marketer tell your parents to look through it. Porn marketers, which I hate that that's even a job, intentionally target children. And Kelly found a study, or just an article, it might not even been a study, it was just a fact, that in fake online profiles as if they were a 13-year-old girl, and within 30 minutes, they had dozens of nude pictures from men being sent to their DMs. Who knows what your kids are seeing every day they don't tell you about? Not only are children viewing sexual content with their phones, they're making it with their phones. And various apps have opened the door to sexual predators that are seeking to track and groom our children and harm our children. And parents, I wish I could just put a screen up that says, here's all the apps you need to look out for, but our screens are too little. And there's, be, there's new ones being made every day. These 80-inch TVs can't even hold the apps that you need to look out for. We can't keep up. And get this, technology executives ban smartphones from their own children. The leaders of Google, eBay, Apple, and Yahoo did not give their children's pho children phones until they were 16 or 17 because they know what they have created is destroying lives. Here's my big question. 
that I, I knew you guys were going to ask. And remember, have a lot of grace for yourself here. You might be asking, my kid's already got a phone. Is it too late? And it's not a smartphone. It's a dumb phone. It makes us dumb. Nothing smart about it. I felt smarter when I could T9, man. Now we, what do we do though? Like we, I've, already, I've already gone that far. Like I've already given my kids cigarettes. What do I do? What do I do? Is it too late? No. It is not too late. You know why? Because you're the parent and you are allowed to change your mind. I change my mind all the time. Can they spend the night? Yeah. An hour later, I'm like, no, nah, I'm tired. No, nah, we're not doing that. I change my mind all the time. You're the parent. Change your mind. And when they get mad, guess what? You're not their friend. You're their parent. They can be mad and you can still be at peace. It's not too late. You need to share with your child that there are other people in your community that have made the decision to delay a smartphone. And you can discuss with your child the many reasons, and this will bring up a values-based conversation in your home. And it's not a no, it's a pause. It's a not right now. If your family, though, is used to communicating with the phone and you don't feel like you can go back to a no, go to a no phone policy, another option is to replace your kid's iPhone or Google Pixel or Android with a, another phone that will allow them to communicate with you and even some friends, but is unable to get a hold of the things that will really hurt them. And before I wrote this message or during writing this message, I made sure I contacted every major United States carrier and they all, guess what, still have phones that they will carry without a data plan. I told that to somebody, I was like, you know, they still make flip phones. Like, nah, they don't. No, they do. And they're still just as ugly, but they're there. But on this, the, the wait until eight, there's, there's some phones that they have. The one's called a Wise phone. It's a Motorola device. It looks just like an iPhone, but they have their own OS on it. Where you can call, text, calculator, maps. You can even take pictures. But it's unable for anyone to find them or track them. And here's another thing. Your, children doesn't, your child doesn't need to have the ability to send pictures of themselves to anyone Nobody needs to have a picture of your child ever except for you and grandma's refrigerator. No one needs to have access to a, a picture of your child. We got to protect our kids because the devil's gunning for them. We have to protect our children. There are multiple phone alternatives and it will open up a conversation with you and your child that is values-based. Be honest with them. Share truth with them. Don't run from culture. Teach them to engage it. Instill biblical values into them and be a safe place for them to ask questions because they're going to have a lot of questions. Like when my daughter came home in fifth grade and said there was this kid who used to go by this name and now he is a she and goes by this name. And when they live in a world that separates biology from gender, we know we have gone nuts. And our children need to know you are a safe place to ask questions to. We have to protect our children. As the band comes out to help me end, and we're going to end a little different today. 
I'm going to end the service a little different today. A few things. A blessed home is values-based, not activity-based. It's values-based. And you might think it's semantics, but it's not. I've heard people say, oh, we're a football home. Well, I like football too. Drive by my house right now. I've got a UT flag and a Dallas Cowboys flag hanging out in front of my house right now because it's football season. But we're not a football home. We're a Jesus home that happens to like football. It's a very different mentality. Number two, a, a blessed home is time intentional. Having rhythms in your life as defined by scripture. Practicing Sabbath, making church not an option to miss. Having good friends over for good food is definitely spiritual. It's actually in the Bible. You have to be just, and parents, don't zone out at home. You have to be just as intentional with your time at home as you are with planning for your job at work. Find those days in your kid's master calendar where they have early release days and make that afternoon something special. Not every time, but find a way to be intentional with your children. And parents, control your own usage of your phone. Remember, children are God's gift. There is nothing on your phone more precious than what's standing right in front of you. There's nothing on that more beautiful than what God has given you. And you are going to be tired. You are going to be a little tired. And if you're tired all the time, maybe find out why. It could be something in your diet or you need a career change or you've overloaded your calendar. But you as a parent need to be the stable one that self-evaluates so your child feels safe with you and loves their home and knows that they want all their friends to come to your house because that's the house to be at. And they love being around you. Don't zone out. Start some traditions. Make it fun. Plan ahead. Even as nerdy as this sounds, look at the weather. Find out when nice weather days are and take advantage of it. Make the most of it. Number three, it's wisdom seeking. A blessed home is wisdom seeking, especially in the area of disciplining your children. Bottom line, it's unloving to withhold discipline from a child. Usually our own dysfunction keeps us from disciplining children. And if that's the case, please get that handled. Go talk to a trained professional and do some work on your mommy issues so you can be a good mommy to yours. Take care of that. But discipline is never to be loud and angry. Trust me, I, 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 I botch it a lot. Sometimes those kids can be so aggravating and you're just tired and angry and frustrated. It, it happens. Not rash. But discipline in scripture is calm and prayerful, not rash and violent. We discipline best when we're taking care of ourselves. And I found this book 
And we give this book, it's called Shepherding is a Child's Heart, and we give it to every couple who dedicates their child. We give it to every parent who dedicates their child, and it gives you a wonderful biblical framework for how to discipline according to the Word of God. It was very helpful to us. It saved our kids' lives, I promise you that. So you need to read it. Because remember, God designed it so only He can define it. He defines it, even discipline. He defined our sexuality. He defined our identity. He made those children. He made you, and he's defining the relationship between the two. Let's trust in his design, because it never fails. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to end today a little differently. Look at this scripture again. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those who submit their desires at the foot of the cross and allow God to chart the course. Blessed are you when you find great delight in what he has to say. Blessed are you. Your children will be mighty in the land. Your kids can be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. When you fear the Lord and you've laid down your desires and wants, are you gonna be perfect at it? No, absolutely not. You're gonna mess up today. That's why the Bible says grace and mercy are renewed every day. Amen to that. But when you mess up, one of our friends told us this because we felt like we were being too heavy-handed with the kids. So we didn't want to be like that. And this guy told us, he said, your kids are fine. Because every time you've, you've gone at them and you say you were wrong, we've asked our kids to forgive us. And then we pray together. And what could have been a gap now becomes a bridge allow grace to do that. Some of you parents might need to go ask your kids to forgive you for something. Allow forgiveness to heal your home. If you don't have kids yet, hopefully you understand that everything we talked about today, all of the smartphone points apply to every human being with a beating heart and a smartphone in their pocket. Think through what you need to change as well. Look at our, our keynote verse in the Passion Translation, everyone who loves the Lord and delights in him will cherish his words. Then you'll be blessed. Not God will bless you and then you're like, oh man, that was so good, I guess I'll cherish you. It's not how it works. When you cherish the ways and the words of the Lord, then your descendants will be blessed, prosperous, influential, in that good news. I'm going to ask Kelly to come up here and we're going to pray over you guys. Do you fear the Lord? Have some grace for yourself. We're not going to do the, the regular response time and I was sitting in first service. I really felt like we needed to end it today a little differently and praying a, a blessing of courage over you. Um, 
some anointing over you because some of us have some hard decisions to make when we leave here today. Moms and dads, if pornography is an issue for you, by God, go buy a flip phone because your children's lives depend on it. You would rather be called a nerd than for your children to make hell their home. The stakes are too high for you to care about your own image. Make whatever decisions you need to make as a mom and a dad to protect and prepare your children. Your grandkids' lives depend on it. it. Changes everything when you think of it like that. So we wanna pray courage over you because it is hard. I'm gonna pray protection over your children and blessing for your future, okay? Father, thank you for these amazing people and we declare right now an anointing of courage over every person in this room, whether they've got children or not, an anointing of courage to make the hard choices and the tough decisions when they leave here. We know that discipline doesn't feel good at the time, but we're looking forward to the future, Lord, the future with you. And God, I thank you that courage is coming into every soul in this room right now in Jesus' name that they're being emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit to leave here and do something that maybe their mom and their dad or their grandparents wouldn't do, but their generation changes right now with their one decision today. God, we pray protection over their homes. We pray peace into their homes. And we declare right now that every plan of the enemy is vanquished in Jesus' name that the plans of God will prosper in their home, that the peace level in their home rises and rises and rises, that their emotional connection with their children will be closer than ever before. And God, all of the things that our children have seen, all of the things that our children have experienced, would you heal their hearts in Jesus' name? And God, we ask right now that you would give us creative ideas and how to connect with our children. Give us creative ideas, God. We are the ones that you have anointed to lead your children. So God, we open up our hearts and minds and ears. We put down our rectangle of dumb phone and we ask God to speak to us. That we can hear you for your children. May we steward these beautiful lives well. God, I pray for every person in this room that's beating themselves up. Every person in this room that is beating themselves up, that they, they've already missed it, they've already given their kid that proverbial cigarette. We pray right now, God, that you would take that repentance and that it wouldn't become shame, that what we're feeling wouldn't be shame, but it would be a connection with you. Father, forgive us for the things we did know, things we didn't know in our actions, God, that have affected our children. Father, forgive us. And we make the decision right now as adults to chart a course of peace and anointing and godliness in our homes. Empower everyone in this room to do that from this day forward. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, 
Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.